What is going on, everybody? It is your boy, Will, coming to you straight from the studio here in Tampa. And wow. <laughs> Just wow. Uh, I am lost for words at this moment. Um, I really don't know what to... I did not uh, formulate an actual opening monologue to this. This is me just coming straight from the gun. This has been the most incredible, historic, controversial, and unforgettable 48 to 72 hours in football history. No doubt, us fans, we will look back at this moment in like 20 years' time as saying, you remember when, when the world of football was at its knees thanks to the owner's and hierarchies of the 12 clubs that were hoping to form the proposed European Super League. And all of this was at the helm by Florentino Perez, um, who apparently was having uh, this idea convoluted in his head since 2009. That's almost, what, 11 years ago. But... If you have been living in a bubble for the past 72 hours and do not have any earthly idea what I am talking about, then that's cool. You came to the right place. I will go ahead and give you all the background, all the backlash, all the snake, all the uh, all the tea on what's going on in this European Super League, the rise in ongoing fall of the European Super League as we know it and you already know your boys got you and as usual I do want to say thank you to those who have been listening to the Your Majesty podcast it has been a while since we've done the last episode and the last episode was based on the UEFA Champions League um, matches I think it was uh, doing the quarterfinal matches Uh, but we're back and what a way to come back uh thank you so much for those who are listening shout out to all to the listeners um here in the united states as well as in algeria france and south africa to be honest i never thought that i would even have an audience out there that would actually want to listen to me but really i am very humbled and very thankful that um you 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 know you lads um listen to the podcast um, shout out to those who are following the Instagram page. We are at 50 plus followers and as well as continuing to support the program on Anchor and as well as on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And if you haven't yet, what are you doing? Go on to the Instagram and give us a follow or just click uh, subscribe onto Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and you'll be doing plenty. Thank you so much. And with that, all that being said, let's get down to the T. Let's do this. Now to give some background as to how this whole thing started and how inevitably this is going to finish, I got to give some background. So how did the European Super League come come to come to mass? Well, we had to really look at it from from UEFA. So in tw- in 2024, the UEFA Champions League will be entering into a new format. And this new format was passed recently on Monday. Um, and, Pre- and President Alexander Serafin has announced that 
the Champions League will go from 32 teams with eight groups of four, and it will be replaced by a single league format comprising of 36 teams. Each team will play 10 games, um, five home and five away, and the teams ranked from one through eight will automatically gain passage to the next round, while the other 16 sides would then enter into a playoff round. And from those eight teams, we'll create the round of 16 as we know it. Now, at the time, uh, Andrea Agnelli, who is one of the chairs in the European Club Association, was pro the Swiss model, as it is dubbed the new format. And he even come out as to say that this uh, that this format is his dream vision of the UEFA Champions League. Not only that, but a few days later, <laughs> he completely pulls a 360 and is now the anti-Champions League and is um, a part of the vice chair, or formerly was the vice chair of the European Super League. But we'll get to that in just a minute. So, who are the major players in this game? Well, we have 12 of Europe's elite banding together to step away from UEFA and creating their own league. That will take place midweek, and as I alluded to earlier, it will rival the UEFA Champions League. As far as this recording is concerned, it has been confirmed that the following clubs and or quote-unquote permanent members per the league's terminology are Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea Football Club, Liverpool Football Club, Tottenham Hotspur, Arsenal Football Club, Barcelona, Real, and Atletico de Madrid, AC Milan, Internazionale, and Juventus. In addition, it has been said that three more permanent members will be joining in due time, while the other five slots will be determined based on achievements in the previous season. Funding for the league was set in place by JP Morgan, and it was revealed that each club would earn 3.5 billion euros just for joining the competition. Now, as I said it earlier, more clubs would have potentially joined us. Um, the reports show that Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Paris Saint-Germain, Porto, Roma, and Napoli have officially rejected and denounced the participation of the European Super League. While merely speculation, one can actually assume that this European Super League is primarily based on club worth. If we look at the top 20 teams ranked by Forbes, one would have to assume that Everton, Leicester City, Ajax, and maybe even West Ham were given a formal invitation to join with, but as of yet, none of these clubs that I've just mentioned have released a statement regarding the Super League. So the format of the Super League is vaguely is vaguely similar to what we have it in in MLS. Um, cons considering that there is a no promotion or relegation system implemented within within the supposed league, the Super League would have taken place sometime in August of 2021, if practical. While there has been no official confirmation, reports have suggested that Amazon Prime and Disney were looked at as potential broadcast suitors for the competition. And as, and as reported earlier, Amazon did put out a press statement regarding the broadcast um, rumors, one can say, and that they have not been contacted, they have not been in any way, shape, or form been affiliated with the, with the Super League. It has been pure speculation. So the main question is why? 
why do these clubs feel as though they have to break tradition and break the very foundation of what their clubs were founded on and basically just want to break away from that just for money or is there something else behind the scenes? Well, for me, there are many reasons. The first reason I believe is because the, these clubs' hierarchies feel as though that the distribution of the Champions League money was unhandled practically. Second, I firmly believe that they were also opposed of the new format that was passed on Monday and that will also go into effect starting the 2024 and 25 season. And thirdly, I feel, yes, I mean, Florentino Perez, who went on to the, to the Spanish show, El Churinguito, has said that all these clubs have taken a significant hit during the pandemic. While that is true, there is absolutely no way that they can be able to be to pull this off during the most critical of times in society. Right now, everybody's taking a hit. And in particular, Barcelona, who are in a financial crisis right now, they uh, feel as though they need to join in the Super League. But I believe that all of these clubs are basically were in charge of their own destiny from, from the jump. And this comes back to where football, in my opinion, is financially at a, at, in a shambles. Where there's so much corruption with financial fair play on both UEFA side and as well as club side. They turn a blind eye to, to Paris Saint-Germain and as well as Manchester City. And if you think about it, these clubs like Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, they spend an excess amount of money in the past five to ten years have incredible wage debt. And now they're suffering from the consequences for not being able to keep a disciplined um, philosophy with finances. And now they're, start they're starting to reap what they sow. The European Super League does sort of mirror what the Premier League was founded on in 1992. And to give a brief background of what that happened was the top five at the time in the 80s in the old first division of the FA was um, Everton, Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, and Tottenham Hotspur, respectively. They felt that, hey, we're the biggest clubs. People pay to see us. Um, we gain a lot of viewership. And every time you guys put on one of our games, we want to sell our rights. And... Chairman of ITV at the time, uh, Greg Dyke, felt that, hey, this would be a great opportunity to break away from, from the FA, who did not want this to happen. Because it, again, sort of like the way UEFA are feeling now with, 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 you know, with Real Madrid and the other 11 um, founding members of this European Super League, it breaks away from tradition. But in, in the way the Premier League was formed... The Premier League were going, and well, I can't say the Premier League, but at the time, the first division in England in general, the, the English game was going through some dark times. Notoriously due to incidents that happened during, during matches. Um, one would be, for example, um, the 1985 European Cup final between Liverpool and, and Juventus. Another being the Hillsborough incident. Um, these put on a... Uh, a bad reputation for for the English game. So, in order to remedy that 
and to gain some credibility back to the FA, to England, a way to form that would be would be the Premier League, to make it a more much more global appealing brand than than the first division. Now it is up for debate as to whether or not the Premier League has accumulated success in England as a whole. Um, for me, it definitely has in the in the financial department. England, um, well, the Premier League really has accumulated so much revenue that I, that honestly, it is mind-boggling. I don't think the founding members of the Premier League would ever ever have imagined that the league would have grown so much like this in 20 years 30 years time and honestly it is just incredible now in terms of player development i believe yes the premier league has definitely um created a um a wave of amazing players um even today we have, I think, you know, I think the England team have another golden generation at, at their hands. But the problem is they don't have the manager that can take them to the next step. And that is lifting the, the World Cup or potentially lifting a Euro. But that's just my humble opinion. But again, it's up for debate as to whether the Premier League has been a do or a done in terms of titles. Coming in for the England national team, has it been a bit of, has it been a benefactor from the England national team? Has it been a benefactor for um, for player development, or has it been really been the apex predator like it was designed to be, or was it the benefactor in fixing the image of English football as a, as a whole? I think in regards of the latter, it definitely has. But again, then it's up for debate. And that is an interesting topic that we can even visit for a future episode. But shifting course from then to now. The amount of backlash that the European Super League has, has, has amassed is incredible. From fans of the club's included and from fans whose clubs are not even remotely involved into it fans from all over the world have expressed their disapproval of the european super league and as well as pundits former players have expressed their disapproval of the european super league in particular um gary neville shows how much of a disgrace manchester united are well the reaction to it is that it's been damned and rightly so um, I mean, I'm a Manchester United fan and have been for 40 years of my life, but I'm disgusted, absolutely disgusted. I'm disgusted with Manchester United and Liverpool most. I mean, Liverpool, they pretend, you know, you'll never walk alone, the people's club, the fans club. Manchester United, 100 years, born out of workers around here. And they're breaking away into a league without competition that they can't be relegated from. It's an absolute disgrace. And honestly, What's very interesting is that Neville pointed out Liverpool at all out of all clubs, aside from Manchester. But Liverpool in particular, really, I was surprised by Liverpool. Because as Gary Neville said, they are the every man's club, the working man's club. And finding a way for them to be involved in this, I was surprised by how much 
John Henry and, and, and the executives over, over at Fenway Sports do not care about the history and the morals in which Liverpool Football Club were founded on, or even the Glazers and Manchester United were, were basically bought the club and don't realize the history factors that are going into these clubs, or even Stan Kroenke, who, who owns my club, who owns Arsenal, and does not understand the history that was built in that club before going to the Emirates. There is so much history within these clubs, and yet they threw all that history and flushed it down the toilet purely for money, purely for financial gain. And that's what really stuck out to me the most, and that they had the audacity to do it. It's just mind-boggling. And it's interesting that the aftermath of this, how would these clubs, would they even receive any any form of punishment by, by UEFA or, or the FA? And I believe it was Rio Fernandez who spoke on this very issue. Should that alone be enough for them to face immediate sanctions? 100%. I think that this breakaway group of teams, this is, for me, a war on football. This is a, it's, it's a disgrace. Um, it's embarrassing. Um, and it goes against everything that, is, that, that, that football's about. It's a closed shop for these big wigs. And it's completely and utterly only about one thing, and that's money. The rich getting richer and the others not even being considered. There's no consideration for the history, for the people at the different parts of the pyramid below the top, top teams that they're trying to separate with. It's a disgrace, I can't believe it. How they've got the audacity to do it in the climate that we're in at the moment with the pandemic around the world, people struggling on the streets, people struggling all over the world, mm. and these lot are sitting there in their own little pub somewhere or their own little room, speaking and talking and colluding with this little idea of what they're gonna, they've hatched, and then come out and break it like this. It's a disgrace, and I think even there's like parts of it the, 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 the element of being anti-competitive it goes against everything that football's about. Rio just took the words right out of my mouth. But I do want to add this. The audacity that they have to break away from tradition like the UEFA Champions League that spans many decades. Okay? The European Cup, yes, was founded in the 50s. And it was rebranded to the UEFA Champions League in the 90s. I understand that. But we're talking about many decades, generation after generation of fans who would watch this competition. And because of money, because of financial stability, these clubs feel like, hey, you know what? We're going to erase tradition. We're going to erase all the accomplishments that... Greats like Alessandro Del Piero, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Di Stefano, Javier Zanetti, and Johan Cruyff, etc. That they have achieved purely because of money. But here's the thing though. I am not in any way physically fit to play Champions League football. I can definitely play five aside, but <laughs> that's beside the point. But when I hear the UEFA Champions League anthem, it gets me pumped. There's so much 
magic within the club, like little magic within that anthem. Especially when you hear it in like you hear it in, in, in Italian stadiums. If you hear that anthem played um, in Juventus Stadium or or in these or in, in the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona in Naples, it's amazing. I will make it a goal to watch a Champions League match live at those stadiums because it is so amazing. And the European Super League cannot replicate that, especially in the merits that they are founded on. There is no competition. It is literally a billionaire's football league. There is no promotion relegation. No other teams can come in, and, and there is no underdog in here. And that's what the Champions League is. For me, I feel like with this, trying to eliminate the middle matches or like in the group stage, like for example, there would be like, you know, a David versus Goliath match, say Liverpool versus, uh, I don't know, Shakhtar Donetsk. It, fans might say, okay, Liverpool have it, in, have it in the bag. What's the point of watching the game? And I'm like, I will still watch this game. Because not only because of the competition, but because I am a fan of football. No matter what it's playing, I will still watch it. Because I love the sport. And even saying that these games are worthless, that's disrespect to like, to the fans and to the clubs that are involved in that competition. Shakhtar Donetsk is one of the most popular teams in Ukraine. Michelin is one of the most popular teams in, I believe, in Denmark. You mean to tell me that they don't deserve to play in the Champions League because, oh, they don't they don't go farther enough into the competition? Might as well just eliminate them altogether. That's BS. I love that these clubs are competing in here because, for one thing, we get to learn more about other clubs besides seeing the same, the same duns in in the quarterfinals and the semifinals. And I've said this before. I had this argument. Well, not necessarily an argument. I had a debate with someone um, regarding this this very issue. And here's the thing. They said, who would want to watch, you know, Aston Villa take on take on Copenhagen or basically small teams every week? But I'm like, one can say the same thing about who would want to watch El Clasico Arsenal versus Spurs, Manchester United versus Liverpool every single week. The problem with this with the Super League is the oversaturation of these games. It's not going to feel special. What is the appeal of having these games played in, I don't know, Japan, playing in Saudi Arabia, playing in New York or Miami or in Los Angeles? It's not going to have the same level of excitement. At least for me, it's not going to feel like a, like an actual Clasico. It's not going to feel like a North London Derby. It's just going to be a regular, eh, a regular game. The merits on which those rivalries were founded upon will be completely obliterated. All by sheer greed. In response to the criticism and the uproar that was cited, um, European Super League chairman Florentino Perez been quoted on uh, on a recent um, appearance on the Spanish television program El Chiringuito 
Um, football is starting to lose interest. 16 to 24 year old fans aren't interested in football anymore. 40% of the young people aren't interested in football because they're playing video games instead. Nobody understands the new Champions League format. Now we want to save football. In response to to Alexander Sedefin's threats of, uh, of having players banned from competing international level, Florentino Perez responds in saying, players excluded from international matches or tournaments? That's not going to happen. They cannot stop you from playing with, with your national team. But Real Madrid will not be banned from Champions League, I guarantee it 100%. We're not UEFA's property. They cannot govern us. UEFA's monopoly is over. A new era is coming. <laughs> Every time I read these quotes, I picture Fiorentino Perez doing something like this. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother? I made people rich up there. I made the people that ran that organization rich up there, brother. <laughs> oh, you gotta love banter, man, I swear. <laughs> Surely I can't be the only one who has thought about this. Like, honestly, the similarities are just so canning. Anyway, back to the point. Um, what has amassed in the last couple of hours in the Europe in the I'm about to say Europa in the European Super League well there's been many withdrawals uh, from uh, from this league and as well as sackings from both managerial um, positions and also from hierarchy positions since the backlash became so overwhelming there have been many clubs shifting course beginning with Chelsea and Manchester City earlier yesterday afternoon, announcing their withdrawal from the league and began process of formally um, submitting documentation to solidify this stance. While elsewhere in Manchester, former co-executive vice chair Ed Woodward submits his resignation at Manchester United. Jose Mourinho was relieved of his managerial duties at Tottenham Hotspur, reportedly due to the club's allegiance with the Super League. Liverpool releases their withdrawal statement after club captain Jordan Henderson calls for an emergency meeting with all captains of the Premier League voicing their disapproval. And finally, Arsenal, who released a press statement regarding their withdrawal, citing, As a result of listening to you and the wider football community over the recent days, we are withdrawing from the European Super League. We made a mistake, and we apologize. Outside of England, according to renowned football journalist Fabrizio Romano, Barcelona, Real, and Atletico de Madrid have begun their withdrawal proceedings while Serie A clubs Juventus, AC Milan, and Inter are set to follow suit in the coming days. But that was the original plan until an emergency meeting <laughs> of the 12 family members was called. And as of this recording, the European Super League has been confirmed to be suspended in a unanimous decision. The league have released an official statement in regards of the suspension, which is, I quote, the European Super League is convinced that the current status quo of European football needs to be changed. We are proposing a new European competition because the existing system does not work. Our proposal is aimed 
and allowing the sports to evolve while generating resources and stability for the full football pyramid, including helping to overcome the financial difficulties experimented and experienced by the entire football community as a result of the pandemic. It would also provide materially enhanced solidarity payments to all football stakeholders. Despite the announced departure of the English clubs forced to take such decisions due to the pressure out on them, we are convinced our proposal is fully aligned with European law and regulations as was demonstrated today by our court decision to protect the Super League from third-party actions. Given the current circumstances, we shall reconsider the most appropriate steps to reshape the project, always having in mind our goals of offering fans the best experience possible while enhancing solidarity payments for the entire football community. End quote. Is what happens now? Well, now that the Super League is officially suspended, we look on into the future. What are the ramifications of the clubs that are involved? Will they be sanctioned? Will they be deducted points? Will they be banned from participating in European uh, competitions? That still remains to be seen as currently the scenes are still unfolding. Though here at the Your Majesty Podcast, we will keep you up to date as to what is going on with that. Though I personally believe that the clubs who were involved, especially within the big six, they should be deducted points from the <laughs> from the uh, from from the Premier League table. They should not be participating in Champions League or Europa League next season whatsoever. Um, a band, sure, I think that seems logical. But I suppose we'll wait and see as we will be continue to be updated in the next couple of days. These next couple of days will definitely be very interesting. We will see more. Don't think this is the, this is the end. There's more drama to come. <laughs> I can tell you that much. But, you know, to kind of play devil's advocate a bit. And I know people do not want to hear the devil's advocate in this particular topic. But bear with me here. Just hear me out. The concept of the Super League did had, you know, it did sound appealing at one point. The execution was done terribly. It was deplorable. But if you're given the Super League some thought, and if you're given the Super League an actual, well, structure, and, and say, hang on a minute, what if we created a league comprising of Europe's best on their achievements on the, not only the UEFA Europa League, but as well as the former UEFA Cup, the same competition, different names, same thing with the Champions League and the, and the European Cup. We would highlight and invite those clubs routinely or like every single season or different clubs every season and have them participate in this in this league that will happen not every season but every couple of years say every 5 years this would happen or maybe 4 years put it to you like this you can have your madrid you can have your barcelona you can have 
Juve, you can have Inter, you can have Milan. But for starters, Arsenal should not be even in this. And this comes from an Arsenal fan. We have no European pedigree. Despite what others might say about the UEFA Cup Winners Cup or the Intercities Cup, UEFA does not recognize those as actual trophies or achievements, despite the Tri-Cup Cities Cup being the predecessor to the UEFA Cup. UEFA does still not re- recognize that as an actual competition. So it doesn't have any merit to us. Well, any merit to them, rather. It has merit to us, but it doesn't have merit to them, unfortunately. Nevertheless, as I continue, you think of Manchester City, who has no European pedigree at all. Um, but with Spurs, they actually do have some pedigree. Believe it or not, Arsenal fans. We, I mean, I mean, believe it or not, they actually do. They won the UEFA Cup in '71, and they won it again in 1983. So they could potentially have gone into the Super League, but you know, to a point where. Maybe one appearance, maybe like a one-time appearance, but not regularly. But say for the, you know, a team like Aston Villa or Nottingham Forest, you know, Aston Villa who are flying in the Premier League right now. And I can make the same case for Nottingham Forest. Despite them being in the championship, 17th position, you know, they won the European Cup. And it was quite the historic team as well. It's safe to say that I, mean, I would like for them to come back too. It will be great to, to watch a Nottingham Forest versus a Real Madrid match or Nottingham versus Milan or something like that. Ajax should definitely be involved in this. BSV, Valencia. It'd be great to watch these teams compete against each other in Napoli. It'd be great to see these teams compete Purely based on their achievements as a whole, not because of how, where, or how they are ranked in the Forbes Top 20 list as rich clubs. In essence, it's more like an invitational format. Something that would have been every couple of years or so. Maybe four years, five years, something along the lines of that. You know, you have the alumni clubs who haven't participated in European competition for so long. They should be given the the special recognition, the special view, and given a special pass to come in to compete. And when you have the usual suspects, they could be given perhaps a backseat, maybe a, maybe a one- or two-time appearance. That's fine. But that's the way I would see it. And, you know, an invitation, an, an, an invitational tournament, something like that. That would be cool to see. But something like a midweek that happens regularly, I think that's just way too um, oversaturated, at least in today's football climate. And that will be incredibly detrimental to, to I mean, at least for the common man in terms of finances. You, you mean, and you see, here's the thing. These hierarchies believe that we actually are made of money like, like they are. The last time I went to a football match, I went to go see Copa America. I went to see Lionel Messi play for, for Argentina. And that was probably one of the best days of my life. And those tickets cost me $350. And those were nosebleed seats. Imagine how much those tickets were for just front row, being in the middle. It would have been expensive. 
And the tickets for these this recent International Cup winners, um, International Champions Cha- Cup, the North American um, preseason tournament, they're outrageous. Four hundred, five hundred dollars a ticket just to watch, you know, Benfica. They take on Madrid or something like that. That's outrageous. It's a preseason. So if this tournament would have progressed, imagine what the tickets would have been like for for this thing. It would have been absolutely ludicrous. So for me, I'm very much happy. So for me, I'm very much happy that the Super League was suspended because I think that the I they have they have the idea centered. They're on the right path, but they have to fix so many things. They have to put the fans into this idea. And for me, they completely alienated that. It would have been interesting to see Europe's greats who have won championships um, in the Europe's, Europe's fine competitions compete against each other. And I think an open invite would make more sense. Though I would like to hear what, what you guys think. For me, I think, I mean, how would you think the European Super League would have fit if it was under your supervision? How would you format it? What structure would you use? Um, Would we just, would you formulate it like similar to the Champions League? Would it be like a World Cup? Would it be um, a round-robin tournament? What would you think? It's down to you. I would love to hear what you think. But right now, as it stands, the Super League has been officially suspended. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up with this special edition of the Your Majesty podcast. And as usual, I do want to thank you all for listening. Wherever you're listening from, whether you're listening from on Google Podcasts or on Apple Podcasts or on Pocket Casts, anywhere around the world you're at, I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening. And don't be a my subscribe and follow us on instagram at your majesty podcast and until we meet again stay gold